Names in Torah are very precise and very insightful. When you look at the name of something, you get to understand the essence of what it is all about. Let's have a look at the name Elul and see an explanation from the Tzemach Tzedek and one from the Rebbe's father. Both of them mystical in nature that tell us the two dynamics of what goes on during Elul and what we should be doing at this time of the year. The Chedesh Elul Vibavost is Mechavdem Fangangrinem Undem Kumendiken Yor. We well know that Elul is the bridge between the previous and the coming year. On the far is the Avoid in Elul Atzveindika, which is why Elul is a time we focus on two elements of how we serve Hashem. On the one hand, Aleph, the Cheshman Tzedek, if the Maisim from Fridikinyor. We have to do a genuine accounting of everything that we did in the preceding year. And of course, then, Chuvaton, if the Maisim Loitabim, Dorchem Atakun, and Mashlem Zain, Dem Fagangenem Yor. Whatever wasn't as it should be in the previous year, we have to do Chuva for it. And that way, we correct whatever wasn't as good as could be in the previous year. That's the one element of Elul. On, on the other hand, Elul is also when we prepare for the upcoming year, specifically by determining which resolutions we're going to take for the coming year. And by making that preparation, we ensure for ourselves a good year coming. So Elul has two focuses, fixing the past, preparing for the future. Seeing as the names of the month, of the months of the year, are names that the Torah uses and refers to. To the extent that some of the names of the months are included in Torah, like the name Elul, which appears in Sefer Nehemiah. If these are names that the Torah uses, then these must be names that encapsulate and pre- represent what the theme and essence of each month is. Now, that will apply specifically in our case, as in the nomen Elul, in the word Elul, you'll be able to determine both aspects of what we're supposed to focus on during Elul, fixing the previous year and preparing for the coming year. On the invert Elul, that's why you'll find there are many, many things that are alluded to in the spelling of and in the shape of the word Elul. And as the word tells, one of the explanations is that you split the word into two parts. And we'll see that there's two versions of how you split the words into two parts. But the reason for that is, as the uh, so it would make sense that we split the word Elul into two segments because there are two segments to the Avodah that we're supposed to be doing during Elul, the fixing of the, re- the, re- the repair of the past and the resolution for the future. So we're going to look at two of the ways in which you can learn something in the word Elul and how it is divided. So out of the many explanations, the two that we'll focus on, the first is from the Tzemach Tzedek Aleph. The Bir von Chakad Murat Tzemach Tzedek in Eur HaTorah, the Tzemach Tzedek says, as Elul is zunufgestellt von zwei Werte. He says Elul is comprised of two words, Loi, spelt with an Aleph, on Loi, spelt with a Vav, and then he explains that when you spell the word loy with an aleph, which means not, that refers to the highest, most supreme element of keser, which is completely beyond the entire spiritual structure of existence. And on the other hand, on loy bevav, when you have loy spelled with the letter vav, that represents the various dimensions particularly the dimensions of what we call the Midois, which are the dimensions that determine the structure of spiritual creation. Why would it be that way? This is Mavorin Dominion from Loitzor. Well, we know there's the Pasuk that says, in all of our angst, in all of our difficulties, there is 
for Hashem difficulty, loitzar, or it could be read as loitzar. It doesn't in any way harm or affect Hashem. Vastexiv is loitzar. The way the word is written in the Torah is with an aleph, implying that our tzoros do not impact Hashem. And decree loitzar, yet we read it and pronounce it as if it was written with a vav. In other words, the message of the Pasuk is that Hashem is with us in our difficulties. How can you have both? As loitzar is mitzak kesavos is hecher from hushalshus. Well, when you say loitzar, that David is completely beyond anything that happens to us, we're referring to keser, because that's a dimension of godliness that is fundamentally beyond the entire created reality. Needless to say, the created reality has no impact, doesn't harm, affect, upset Hashem at that level. And therefore, in that reality, whatever's going on in our lowly world doesn't have any impact. And therefore, therefore, at that dimension, the difficulties of our world do not impact. Whereas, that's how it's written in the Torah. Whereas the way that we read it, but when we say that the Ebeshe is not only, only acutely aware of, but even affected by our Tzoros, that's loy with a vav. That's referring to within the created reality. Within the realm of godliness, that motors, that powers, the the world the the reality of creation so there our experiences do have an impact. Okay, so I've got these two dimensions: keser, a dimension of godliness that is completely removed from our reality, and a dimension of hishtalshlus which is completely invested in our reality. How do those both come to align with it? Because one of the key elements of what makes Elul so special is that it's the time where Hashem's supernal uh, compassion, the Yudgim is very accessible, is very radiant at this time. But that's a dimension that exists beyond Hishtalshus and therefore it's represented by Loi Ba'alef, with the word Loi where Hashem is completely beyond our reality. And yet on the other hand, but what's unique about Elul is that this dimension of the 13 attributes of mercy, which by definition is completely beyond our reality and the reality of all of creation, during Elul invests within creation, that's the loy with a vav, the relatable element. So that's the explanation of, that Samach Tzedek gives. Based then there's the beer from Tatten, the explanation that the, the Rebleivik gives in his Kutelevi Yitzchok. The Shem Elul is Snuv Gestel from the word Oi, and Tveilamenten, where he explains also that Elul is split into two components. One component is the letters Aleph Vav, spelling the word Oi, and then there are two Lamets which are added on. What is the significance of the word Oi? So Oi, Weistef, Malchus, Verstehten, Zohar. The Zohar tells us that Alevav, Oi, represents Malchus. The most obvious reason for that is because Malchus is the seventh of the seven Midois, and Alevav equals seven. But we don't just refer to Malchus with the letter Zion. We specifically refer to Malchus with the letters Aleph and Vav to represent two elements and two dimensions of Malchus. On the one hand, you have Der Aleph, which is Keser de Malchus. The Aleph represents the Keser dimension of Malchus. That's the part of Malchus that's plugged in to the higher Atsilus reality and is actually divorced from the reality of our world. Very similar to Loi with an Aleph. On the Vav, Da'as the Malchus, the Vav represents Da'as of Malchus. We'll explain a little bit later why that is specifically. 
and that represents how Malchus is now engaging with the creation of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya that will follow. It's the investment within the world, similar to how we explained Loi with Avav according to the Tzemach Tzedek. Why is there a lamed on either side of the word? Well, not either side. Why, why are there two lameds with the word Elul? Because we're told that there are 30 attributes that are required in order for a person to gain access to Malchus. And seeing as Malchus is something you attain through 30 achievements or 30, 30 attributes so there's 30 attributes of Malchus that have to relate to both dimensions of what Malchus is so there's a Lamed associated with the Aleph dimension of Malchus because to attain the Kesser aspect of Malchus you need 30 attributes and even to attain the Vav element of Malchus which is how Malchus engages with our created reality you also need 30 attributes in order to access and, and gain uh, that, that particular experience of Malchus and so therefore it's Oi with two Lamets okay how does that connect to Elul? And the Shaykhs when the minions of Chedesh Elul is, the Chub and Abayish of Chedesh of Elul follows Chedesh of, which is the time of the Chub and Abayish when the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. And the effect of that was, the main, so to speak, damage that was done in spiritual terms by the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash was the impact on Malchus, the manifestation of Hashem's Shechina, manifestation of godliness in the world. That was disturbed by the Chub. On in the Yemei Harotzim for Chedesh Elul. Now in the days of great, so to speak, warmth on Hashem's behalf, like Hashem wants us, so to speak, during the month of Elul, which is obviously the immediate follow-on from the month above, that's when we start to recreate Malchus again, and as we know from many places in Hasidus, the Rosh Hashanah is the ultimate reconstruction of Malchus. So now we're seeing two explanations of what Elul is all about, how Elul has two components. According to the Tzemach Tzedek, it's on the one hand speaking the language of Keser, because it's Yudgimum Midas Harachamim, a dimension of godliness that is completely beyond the whole created reality, and yet Loi, it comes within the created reality. During Elul, we have access to those Yudgimum Midas Harachamim. And Reb Leibik's view, which is that it's speaking about Malchus itself, which also has two dimensions to it. Malchus was damaged during Chodesh Av, and now we're fixing it and rebuilding a, a better experience of divine manifestation in this world through Elul going to Rosh Hashanah. Now let's connect the Tzemach Tzedek and Rebbeleivik's opinions or insights. The Kesher between the Bir von Taten and the Bir von Tzemach Tzedek is not nor was in beide Perushim weiß der Alafif Kesher was is Hecher von Ishtalshus. Okay, so the first and obvious thing that you're going to notice about both of them is that they both attribute the letter Aleph to a dimension which is beyond the system. So the Tzemach Tzedek speaks about Aleph, Loi with an Aleph, referring to the ultimate Kesser, which is beyond the entire created reality. And Reb Leivik is talking about the Aleph within the system of Malchus, being the dimension of Malchus that's actually beyond Malchus itself. But that's not the only link between their two interpretations. Und der Vav, auf der Amshach bei Pnimius, so kippelisch hat Tzemach Tzedek, oder das, was ist Maftacher de Kollel Schiss, and likewise, the Vav element, because Loi with a Vav according to the Tzemach Tzedek, well, that represents the whole structure of Ishtal Shalos. And Loi with a Vav according to Reblevik is the Das dimension of Malchus. Das, the Alter Rebbe explains, is the key to the six Midos. Because when you truly understand and uh, it, uh, it, you, you connect with a, with a concept in a very deep and meaningful way, which is what Das is all about, that's when it's going to flourish into the expressive nature of, of the, the six Midos. Nor 
not only are those the connections, but we're going to see a specific link between Reb Levick's explanation and how the Tzemach Tzedek identifies the two possibilities of how to pronounce the word loy and what they represent. Let's first understand how come it is that if we're going to talk about two key elements of Malchus, how come one is Keser and one is Das? Because that's what Reb Leibig presented, right? That the, the Aleph Vav, the Aleph represents the Keser of Malchus and the Vav represents the Das of Malchus, which now the Alter Rebbe has told us is the concept of the Das contains within it the potential for all Vav, for all um, Midas expressions. Incidentally, by the way, the, the Reb Levick also explains that the reason oi is a representation of malchus is because the word oi always represents the possibility of an alternative. So before there's malchus, there is only ihu there's only eibishter, no alternative. Malchus, through its process of, so to speak, screening Hashem from view, allows the possibility of things that believe themselves to be independent. So that's oi. So how come it is that in the experience of oi of malchus, it's specifically keser and, and das that we're focused on? Is the Tatamivor, so the Rebbevik explains as follows. You have to understand how Malchus works. Think of it in the concept of a king, or if it's more relatable, in the concept of ordinary leadership. There are two critical stages that are required in order for a person to assume a leadership role. The first thing is, the person has to have some sense of pleasure or some sense of motivation to lead, to be that king. But this is Keser de Malchus. That's what we call the Keser of Malchus. The motivation to want, at least in principle, to be a leader, to be a king. Kiyoduas Keser is Enig Verotan. As we well know, the more superficial experience of Keser is motivation. The deeper experience of Keser is the pleasure that a person anticipates they will get from fulfilling that motivation. So that's the first step. The will, the interest. But... Because you can't be a king, you cannot be a leader without a following. And those people who are your subjects and who are your followers, by definition, have to be independent of you. Therefore, the leader, the king, has no other choice but to diminish, limit themselves, to be able to relate to the people. That's the Das concept within Malchus. Das is, I understand, I really get it, it resonates with me, it's meaningful, it's personal to me. So I can't just know about those people in theory, I can't only relate to them in an abstract, distant way, I have to actually resonate with them. That's the Das of Malchus, without that you can't really be a leader. Now let's understand what they look like, how they're different, these two different stages. As long as we're talking about the fact that he has an individual who wants to be the king, who has a motivation to be a leader. So as long as that's where they're at, it's not the At that point, practically, realistically, the king is completely aloof from the people. It's in his own head. It's in his own dreams. It's in his own anticipation. I'd love to be a leader. I'd be suited to be a leader. At that stage, what the king is conscious of is his own aloofness, his own superiority, his own greatness. At that point in time, the nation is actually completely irrelevant and insignificant. And of course, you can't be a leader at that stage. It's a critical first step, but it's not where actual leadership happens. Yet, when the king switches over into that stage of das, of truly understanding and appreciating and, re- and resonating with the principle of who the people are and how to lead them and why it's important. So, 
which means the king is now connecting with the people and actually leading the people, which means that the king will create laws and structures, etc. Well, at that point, the way the nation behaves is actually relevant because are they following or are they not following? Are they supportive or are they not supportive? Are they loyal or they're not loyal? That links Rebbeleivik's explanation with the Tzemach Tzedek's explanation. In the beginning of Keser de Malchus, as long as we're talking about the Keser aloof dimension of Malchus, which is a reality by which Zebishto wants to be Melech Oilam. But the behavior of people is not yet relevant because it's all about the fact that this is the Abish's Rotson is So their difficulties, their challenges are not yet relevant. Yet when Abish crosses, so to speak, that threshold into the state of Daas really appreciating and resonating with that interaction between Abish and us, king and people, then then the people, the beings, us, we actually begin to be re- relevant. Then what goes on in our life does impact the And those are the two dimensions of what Elul is. On the one hand, Elul is a preparation for Rosh Hashanah, which is all about the Ebeshter being king, which is a fundamental, intrinsic part of Ebeshter. And then there's another dimension of Elul, us preparing to make the Ebeshter king because we're relevant, because he's chosen to make us relevant. So with these two things, in Elul, we get to understand the two approaches of what we're supposed to be doing at this time of the year, which is on the one hand, on the one hand, repairing whatever may be lacking from the previous year, and simultaneously preparing ourselves for the coming year. The Ikur HaAvodah from Rosh Hashanah is, as we well know, the key element of our Avodah on Rosh Hashanah is to affect that the Ebeshter will become our king, that will accept Hashem as our king, as the Gemara says, which is so to speak, coronating the Ebeshter as our king. And how do you do that? So that's by awakening the Hisnasus Atzmis, that's by us awakening the essence of Hashem's aloofness of Hashem's greatness. It's by us invoking the dimension of godliness that is beyond our impact through our behavior. That sounds paradoxical. How do we invoke a dimension of Hashem that is beyond our input? That's why just before um, we say the that David should choose us as his inheritance. Is because the acceptance of Hashem as our king that's going to happen at that point will not be the result of our efforts. It's going to be because the Eibishter absolutely, fundamentally, intrinsically chooses us. And again, how can we invoke that? By virtue of the fact that our Neshamas are rooted in Hashem's essence. Therefore, we are absolutely what Eibishter wants, so to speak, to choose. That means that the root of our neshamas is far deeper and more profound than the root of Torah and mitzvahs themselves. 
So Torah mitzvahs can't get us to that level of connection because it is fundamentally beyond Torah mitzvahs. That's why the Ebishter says to switch the Jews for another nation is not possible, cannot happen, because only the Jewish neshama is rooted in Atzmas. And that's in spite of our behavior and in spite of our religiosity and observance. The key though is how do we get in touch with the essence of Hashem or the part of our Neshama that is rooted within the essence of Hashem through absolute, complete surrender to Hashem which is only possible by virtue of the essence of our Neshama. So when we're completely surrendered to Hashem, we're expressing the essence of our Neshama. The essence of our Neshama is plugged into the essence of Hashem. Naturally, that causes Hashem to say, I will be your king. That's the preparation for the coming year. But to fix what's lacking in the previous year, that's by contemplating what went right, and hopefully all of it went right, with regards to our Torah mitzvahs, that's no longer an assessment of our relationship with the king, because that's absolute. That's an assessment of our uh, uh, that's that's an assessment of our commitment to following the king's rules. That is an assessment of the dimension of Malchus that Hashem has shared with us by which Hashem has connected with us, where Hashem has allowed us a place in His world and taken an interest in ours. So the Baldas El is ein word. The fact that El is a single word is moving as the loy unloy von Edel. That implies that both realities of what Edel is all about, a dimension that's completely beyond the system and a dimension that is within the system, a choice that Hashem makes to have us as His nation because of the essence connection of our soul, and the relationship that we build through our efforts. And that indicates to us that those two elements are not independent of each other. As the Tzemach Tzedek says, Elul is a time where two completely different realities merge into a single entity. What does that mean? The fact that Elul is a time to contemplate and repair what? Needs repair from the previous year. The Lamed Vav aspect. That's very much about doing Teshuvah over things that were inappropriate and fixing them. Once we do that Teshuvah, that's our input. The forgiveness which we're given, the Eibishter's input, that's the Yud Gimel Midas Rachmim, the Lamed Aleph Loi. Loi de Elo. And the reason that this slicha, this forgiveness works, is because it is a dimension that was never affected in the first place by our misbehavior. That's why it empowers us to be able to clear the slate, to be able to remove the stains. So, Elo is this incredible time where we're putting in the effort of doing tshuva and therefore invoking a response from Hashem that is completely out of the ballpark. Complete forgiveness. But it also plugs into the Tamnichuni on Rosh Hashanah where we accept Hashem as our king. The fact that we accept the as our king, which is the focal point of Rosh Hashanah. 
But that's the beginning of Malchus, which as we've already explained means, as we've explained, this means we're linking into a dimension of godliness that is not contingent on our behavior. Why does Abishta choose us? Because he chose us, because he decided that we're going to be plugged into his essence. But we don't leave this as some abstract concept of accepting Hashem's authority. It has to translate into observance. Then in the coming year, we'll actually make a resolution to do a better job of fulfilling Hashem's mitzvahs, the relationship of Hashem with us in our world. And the achievement therein is that the acceptance of Hashem to become our king again is not something that's going to fly in the abstract realms. But rather, it translates into something very tra- tangible in our re- reality. Which means it's an translates into a good year in physical and spiritual terms for all of us.